St. Paul. Good morning, St. Paul. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world to see? No, there's a cross for everyone, and there's a cross for me. On behalf of our senior pastor, Dr. Robert Charles Scott, for those gathered in the sanctuary and those gathered online with us, good morning to you. And you could have been anywhere this morning, but you chose to be here to worship with us. And for that, we say thank you. To God be the glory. Um, today will be a blessed and divine day. Um, we will have our worship led this morning by Minister Jeffrey Stevenson. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. I said, somebody said it's a good morning today. Somebody said he woke me up this morning, started me on my way. I heard my granddaddy used to say that last night, last night she wasn't my winding clock. He said that, listen, last night's bed wasn't my cooling board. So because God has woke you up this morning, you should be standing on your feet in this place giving God some praise today. Did you come to worship your God today? Did you come to worship him today? Because the God that we serve is deserving of all of our praise and our worship. Put your holy hands together right now. I called to worship this morning comes from Isaiah 40 and it says have you not known have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary somebody said thank God I serve a God who doesn't get weary and doesn't faint his understanding is unsearchable he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might he increases strength even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint has anybody just been waiting on God this morning to renew and revive you today because the God we serve deserves all of our praise. Join us in our opening hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Just 
Amen. Amen. Lord of all. If you are watching us right now on our virtual platforms, if you would, please put where city and state that you are watching us from. Our scripture reading this morning comes from John 14, 15 through 21. And it reads, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. May the Lord have a blessing on the reading and the hearers of his word. Let us go to God. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come before you right now. First of all, God, we come before you just to say thank you. Thank you, God, for just giving us another opportunity at this thing called life. And God, right now, because you can be anywhere at all times, we know that you are already with your people. So God, because you are already in the building, we don't invite you in because this is your space. And because we have entered into your building, God, we ask that you would fill each and every person. God, if you would just fill us with your spirit as we worship you on today. God, we ask that you would just manifest yourself to us right now. And God, as the word comes down, God, that somebody will cry out today. I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? We thank you, God, in this time and in this space. It's in your son's name that we do pray and give thanks. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated.
disciples of St. Paul, as well as those who are visiting with us. I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott, Senior Pastor here at St. Paul, and we thank God for your presence virtually as well as physically. I am in St. Louis sharing with the New Sunny Mount Missionary Baptist Church for their 90th church anniversary, and of course to retrieve my daughter, Cheris, from her grandparents. So we look forward to being with you all in worship on next Sunday. Just want to share some observations as far as the life of the St. Paul Church is concerned. And we pray that you will join in wherever you can and uh, enjoy the benefits of our community. On Saturday, August 27th from 11 to 2, we're having what we call St. Paul Summer Jam. This is going to be a wonderful block party as far as our church is concerned. We're going to have foods, game, activity, and fun, and we're going to be distributing school supplies to those that are in need. So do us this favor. Children, invite your friends and neighbors August 27th from 11 to 2 p.m. in the lower parking lot across from the old sanctuary. Registration is going to be required. We're going to be observing the COVID protocols disciples make plans to bring your donations to the ray of hope on saturday august 20th between 10 and 2 p.m volunteers are needed see minister josh jordan or reverend james bernie or call the church office at 704-334-5309 extension 113 leave your information and someone will get in touch with you we are on sabbatical for our 
Bible study until September, and we will let you know when we're going to be starting back up. I'm walking through it. I ain't, I ain't moved in no furniture in the valley. Yeah, I ain't moved into the valley. I'm passing through it. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I'm not by myself. The Lord is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Why is that? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want. know another tree just like that one this tree was on a hill far away and on it stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for the world of lost sinners was slain so I'm gonna cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I may so when I come out see come forth has to do with shining. He said, when I come forth, I'm going to be shining in a way that I've never shown before. Because what I've been through has not been wasted. That when I come out of this, I got to come out of this different than how I went in. Every church ought to come out of this pandemic different than it went in. Every ministry ought to come out different than it went in. Families ought to come out different than we went in. Individuals, you ought to come out, brothers, sisters, no way to go through all of this and waste it. That I'm looking to come out in a different way. I shall come forth as... On Sunday, August 28th, we will have our annual homecoming worship service. And I want to welcome back to St. Paul, my dear friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Freddie James Clark, the senior pastor of the Shalom Church City of Peace in Florissant, Missouri. We're asking those who can to join us in a homecoming assessment of $100. And guess what, you all? Got a major surprise for you. Our hymn choir is going to sing on that Sunday. So we want to invite you to come, bring family and friends, and we're going to have a wonderful time. Then starting on that Monday through Wednesday, August 29th, 30th, and 31st, we will have our church revival. And our guest preachers will be some of the most gifted preachers in this country, the Reverend Dr. William H. Curtis, Senior Pastor of the Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the Reverend Dr. Jerry Carter, Jr., the Senior Pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Morristown, New Jersey. Listen, I pray that you all have a wonderful worship service. I ask that you all will lift up Reverend Brenda Richardson in prayer. She will be sharing the word with us today and that the Lord will give her the proper word for this particular moment. And I can't wait to be back in your presence. Uh, we had a wonderful church conference on yesterday, and I'll be sharing a little bit more information about what we need for you to do during the offering time. Amen. 
I just want to give another amen. The hymn choir coming back to God be the glory. Um, we've heard the announcement and observations. Let us hold ourselves accountable. I just want to say in the spirit of transparency, if you see me run out of this sanctuary today, um, or if I forget something, charge it to my head, not my heart. Um, some of you know that Emily and I are expecting a little deer on the way soon. Um, so in um, any minute, any hour, um, <laughs> literally any minute or any hour, she texts me and she said, hey, I'm dealing with contractions, you know, so like, you know, any minute, any hour. No, I think we can make it through the day. To God be the glory. <laughs> At least one hour. Um, I also want to say thank you to Dr. Scott for, you know, some of you may not know, but he really invests a lot of time in nurturing and cultivating uh, ministry leaders. And I specifically want to speak on behalf of the ministry team that he's put together. Either each of us have finished seminary, are currently in seminary, or applying to seminary. Um, he's working out a divine thing for our congregation. I just want to say thank you to him for that as well. And I want to give a shout out to an amazing group of women. Um, I will not say their names now, but they know who they are. When I went to vote on election day, stepping into Hawthorne Middle School, um, it was really spiritually uplifting to see that the volunteers there primarily were disciples of St. Paul Baptist Church. So thank you for your time and your labor. As we prepare to go to God in prayer, let us keep the following in mind. The family of Brother Lantuan Vernel Stevenson, son of disciple Layla Stevenson. His services were held on Saturday, August 20th at Alexander Funeral Home. The quiet hours were held at 11 a.m. The family of Sister Ira Bell Ray, mother of disciple Martha Ray, her services were held yesterday here at St. Paul. The family of Brother Donnie Nelson, brother of disciple Virginia Thompson, his services were held yesterday at Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, South Carolina. The family of Sister Ethel May Baldwin, mother of disciple Brother Elson Baldwin, her services were held Thursday, August 4th at Miller's Chapel AME Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. The family of Brother Joe Craig, nephew of Deacon Karen Archibald, and nephew-in-law of disciple Jerry Archibald, his services were held Wednesday. The family of Brother Daryl Jones, brother of disciple Patrick Jones Sr., and Patricia Wilkes, his services were held at Roseboro Mortuary and Cemetery in Charlotte. Additional family members, disciple sister-in-law, Velda Jones' niece, Charlene Jones, and nephew Patrick Jones Jr., are hospitalized having surgery or special concerns. Mary Berenger, Sharon Jacobs, Beverly Powell, Deacon Tina Ross, Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, Thomasina Drummond. We know the God that we serve can do anything but fail. Amen. Let us look towards heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come before you right now. God, we come before you looking to the hills from whence cometh our help. God, we come before you right now because there are those who may be in the building and those who may be watching that may have heavy hearts. God, because they've experienced some loss, they've experienced some trials, they've experienced some pain. But God, we know we trust and believe and we lean and depend on you. 
for God right now for there are those who are looking for someone who is not here anymore. And God, that there's times that they've cried out in the middle of the night. And God, we ask that you would just wrap your loving arms around them and let them know that even in the midst of their mourning, that you are still God and that you still care for your people. And that even as we cry in the midst of our pain, that you are there with us. Help us, God. God, for there are those who are experiencing sickness right now. But we are still a people of faith, God, and we still believe in the healing power. Because you said in your word and we trust and believe that by your stripes that we are healed. Heal God today. Touch in only a way that you can. For God, as we look over this world, God, we see pain, we see suffering. But regardless of how things look on the news, God, we still trust in a God who not only sits high, but a God who sits right beside us. And so for that, your people can say thank you. Thank you for being a God that not only is one that sits in the heavenly places, but a God who sits right beside us and says, listen, that even in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your pain, I'm here with you. You are my child. Thank you, God. Be with your people today. It is in your son's name that we do pray and we give thanks. And all of the people of God said, amen. Amen. To raise the offering as far as our work and witness and worship here at St. Paul, uh, I've asked you to help us to raise $50,000 as far as the Charlotte Rescue Mission is concerned. They are building a new facility. We're considered to be one of their partners as far as that's concerned. And we have raised, as of July 31st, $13,838. I want you to check out this video, Miracle on Cedar Street, and see why we're doing what we're doing as far as a sense of home mission is concerned. And please, when the offering comes, give from the bottom of your heart, liberally and generously, to help us make this a working reality for Charlotte Rescue Mission. When you walk into the Charlotte Rescue Mission Rebound Men's Program, it's a 92-year-old building. Screams 92 years old. And it contradicts the message of the ministry. We say that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. But we're housing men, we're putting them through counseling programs in a building that's less than that. And it contradicts everything that we're saying. The heartbeat of Charlotte Rescue Mission is transformation. One word, that's it. We focus on individuals struggling with addiction and uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, free, Christian residential recovery services for a population that could never afford it on the open market, but it's made possible through the generosity of our donors.
I um, found myself homeless and living on the streets of Charlotte, North Carolina. My alcoholism taking me to the bottom. I was just wanting to keep drinking, and I, I would have ended up just drinking myself to death. That's the path I was on. When I first came here, I just really wanted to get off the streets so the beds were soft. Um, they had hot showers. The food was good. But as I stayed here, I learned that this is a really uh, loving, caring, kind place to be, and they really helped me get back on my feet. This is one of the best decisions I've ever made. We believe in working from a holistic approach, and it's from the inside out. You have to change mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. It's not just about stopping the drugs and alcohol. Last year, fiscal year 20, we had a 54% completion rate. 84% of the guys who completed the program were still clean and sober. They were still employed and they had stable housing. And they were living in a healthy community. And that's way above the national average. When I graduated the program, my counselor said I should stay in this environment because I relapsed a lot. So she suggested I go back to school. And now I'm on a path of, of finishing my education. I'm in nursing program at CPCC and I have a 4.0 GPA for almost five semesters now. And I'd like to transfer into a four-year university. Because this is, this is old, totally beyond my comprehension because when I came here, I just was looking for a place to sleep and I wanted to stop drinking. But God has been good to me. This building doesn't show the, the guys the dignity and the respect that they deserve. It limits us in, in many ways. We don't have an elevator in this building, so we can't serve people with handicaps because they're having to go up and down stairs. Our kitchen is in the basement, and every time we have hard rain, the kitchen floods. We have guys who live in, in the downstairs dorm, which is also in the basement. We have limited office space. We don't even have a place here where guys can go and have quiet time. And I know they spend a lot of money just trying to keep it going because there's always people here working on something and then a couple months later it'll break down again. So I know they spend a lot of money just trying to keep it livable. It's time for a new building. The physical facilities are basically antiquated, out of date, but we have been, as an organization, ingenious enough to try to make it work. But there are things that cause us to say, well, if we thought really much of the folks that we're trying to serve, we'd put them in a more dignified environment. We shouldn't have uh, facilities that are not accessible to those who can't climb a couple of flights of stairs. By building a new building, it sends a message that we care about the people we get, even from the first day they walk in. When these men enter the doors here at the Charlotte Rescue Mission, they're seeking hope. But we also know how broken they are physically, perhaps emotionally, psychologically. To go for that transformation process, you gotta just have the basic essentials. But can't we do a little better than just the basic needs of food, water, and shelter? which is what this 100-year-old building currently serves. If we can give them the basic needs and the comfort in a home, we can give them the sense of pride earlier in this process that I think can help accelerate that transformation. The capital campaign to build this new dormitory and other facilities and restore some of what is existing on the campus now says a lot about how we feel about the people who come in who traverse through here and leave here. And we want them to look back with pride to say, here is a place we came that made a difference in our lives.
and the fact that we will be able to see more folks come will in fact be a real asset for this community. And so I want them to be able to walk into a building, not because we want something that's bright and shiny and new. That's not what this is all about. This is about two words. It's about dignity and respect. And if we can put all of that into somebody's heart, imagine what's going to happen through their life. God that we serve a God and we we worship in a congregation that doesn't believe that we should just just pray about things and I'm not saying we shouldn't put these issues or concerns in the hands of God but if we're going to pray about it we certainly should do something about it and this is an opportunity to make a tangible contribution to change in the world this is public proclamation that's what this is this is church in the world this is going beyond the constructs of just the church I hope you will join Pastor and his team in contributing to this, this change. There are a few ways that you could give. Um, if you are, for those that desire to bring your physical offering to the church, we ask that you will please take in consideration the call before you come to make sure that there's someone to receive that offering. If you would like to mail in your offering, you can do so at 1401 Allen Street. Um, and if you have the capability, you can download the app Giblify and make your contributions there, St. Paul Baptist Church. For those that are worshiping with us online, our digital ministries will drop that link in the chat stream. I turn it over to the ushers. And for those in the sanctuary, there's a basket in front of you. You can place your offering in the basket there as well. Let's pray and bless this offering. God, we ask that you would consecrate this offering, God. God, multiply this offering, God. God, we ask that you would be with those this morning that are making a sacrifice, knowing that the ultimate sacrifice has already been made, God. The ultimate sacrifice has already been made, God. God, we acknowledge that this is not about equal giving, but equal sacrifice, God. And we thank you for the blessing that you are pouring out on this community, God. Be with those that are in need. Multiply and enhance this blessing. And for those that are struggling to give, God, let them know that we can't beat God's giving. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the blessed Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday morning, as I was driving, I was meditating on this song, and there was a car in front of me, and I couldn't quite make out what the, what the license plate said on the car. See, sometimes a one might look like an I, and an S might look like a five, and, but as I got to the red light, I got right behind the car, and the car had a plate that said, no one is. 
And it, it actually saddened me that someone would ride around with something on their license plate that said no one is. When I know that God is. And as I meditated more about that, that song, and I watched a couple of movies on last night, and, and it also brought to my mind that I know that we are all here in church this morning, and I know that we know something about Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, but that's, that's not enough to just know something about Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Lest we believe, we don't know the, really know the character of God. See, this song only, only touches on a snippet, just a snippet of the character of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Just a snippet. But God is anything, everything that we need. Whatever we need, God is. We simply have to believe. And we have to believe that God can do what he said he would do. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So our imagination cannot fathom who he is and what he is capable of. Simply believe. Promise keep, promise keep that rise in the dark. 
promise keep whatever you need in the darkness my god that is who you
church family that is who we who he is to us and that is who you are I bless the Lord this morning and I bless God for this time and I thank God for this day this is the eighth month of the year and this year this month we have been worshiping in the sanctuary for one whole year come on get your hands together for that uh, we might have been six feet apart to start off with now we're three feet apart but we are worshiping a holy and righteous God. So we praise God for that. I thank you and I thank our pastor, Dr. Robert C. Scott, this morning. It is an honor for me to be first a part of his ministry here at St. Paul. I thank him for his leadership. I thank him for his guidance. And I'm humbled for the opportunity today. And I am thankful because he could have gone to his Rolodex and picked anybody and they would have got on a plane and they would have come here this morning. So I am humbled and grateful that the pastor has entrusted me with this moment to be with his people, my friends, and family. Therefore, I don't take this moment lightly. To my fellow associates in the pulpit, it is a privilege to serve with these young men this morning. It is a pleasure and an honor to call them friends. We have not yet seen what God is going to do in the ministry of them and all the other, are uh, there many other associates here? God bless you. God bless you. And to this music ministry, this music ministry, we thank you for setting the atmosphere for continued worship. <laughs> ah, Woo. Please join me in prayer. Lord, I have no words of my own. I have made preparation. I have studied and prayed. But unless you come, the words will be a tinkling symbol. So come, Holy Spirit. Take us to a place where preacher and people intersect together. Hide me behind the shadows of your cross that the word will be brought forth with clarity and boldness. Amen. Join me as I read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, and then 10 through 15. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, and then 10 through 15. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear the words of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is your multitude of sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or of lambs, or of goats. When you come to appear before me, 
Who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an, an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. For just the next few moments, I want to preach about a pathway to grace. A pathway to grace. In chapter 1 of the book of Isaiah, the prophet does not waste any time. He immediately begins to explain the vision that he has received from God to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Isaiah was a master wordsmith. He had a way of expressing himself that is captivating to me. If he were here today, he would have said to them, he had a way of telling you about yourself without letting you know that he was telling you about yourself. Judah and Jerusalem have been disobedient. They have been consistently sinning. They are corrupt. They have turned away from God. And what is more, they did not care. They are not concerned. They are living their best life. And they are dismissing Isaiah with a, oh, well, attitude. That's your problem, not mine. I'm going to do me. Even as their country is being burned and destroyed around them, they are not concerned. I believe that Isaiah wanted to make sure that as they listened to him, he would get their attention. And so he did it by using a comparison. And we can relate to comparisons when they're good and when they're bad. And if we're honest with ourselves, the comparison works for us in some situations and moments in time. If someone were to say to you, wow, you look just like your mother or you look like an actor or singer or someone that you really like, you would blush or smile. Or if someone would say to you, oh my goodness, I love your sweet potato pie because it tastes just like the ones my mother used to make. And then you would begin making mac and cheese, cornbread, stuffing. You would begin to making everything for them just to say thank you for the compliment. <laughs> These comparisons, the good comparisons that is, finding similarities in something familiar uh, is something that we like to often do, and it can be a positive affirmation. In fact, often the comparison is a compliment, one that you thought you either deserved or better yet, uh, you weren't even expecting. Either way, the comparison and the compliments are welcomed and appreciated by most people. Sometimes it's just that little ego boost that you needed to make it through an otherwise depressing day. And there are times, though, when comparison to someone or something is not appreciated. The comparison does nothing to improve your day. The comparison, whether accurate or false, 
may start to rub you the wrong way, work on your last nerve, and start to irritate you as you are making your godly walk to the Lord. And depending on if that person's opinion means anything to you, it might hurt your feelings. I said that is if that person's opinion means anything to you. You might even drop a tear. When the comparison is negative, they might say something um, that offends you. Back in the day, we used to call this a backhanded compliment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And today, I believe they call it shade. Either way, it works a nerve, and we don't like it. So comparison, comparison, that is where we find Isaiah in verse 10. Judah and Jerusalem are being compared to Sodom and Gomorrah. They are being compared to the Canaanite cities that have become synonymous with consistent, constant, aggravated sinfulness. God rained down fire and brimstone, eliminating everything breathing. There was absolutely nothing left. During the Old Testament times, they were the ultimate example of sin and the result of sin. So imagine, if you will, uh, these pious, sanctified church folk listening to Isaiah. They were looking good, smelling good, and sometimes they were even probably doing good. There's probably somebody in the background singing, I'm going all the way with Jesus. And then there's somebody over on the other side saying, God is my everything. He's my joy and he's my hope and he's my sorrow and everything. They are in a good, self-righteous place. Then boom, out of nowhere comes the prophet Isaiah without warning to get them straight, to do some godly correction. Can you hear somebody saying, wait a minute, wait just a minute. I know he did not just use the names of Sodom and Gomorrah while talking to us. We are nothing like those charred, fried people. We're good. As a matter of fact, we're great. We give all of our sacrifices, the best of our best of our cattle. We give the best of our goats and our lambs. What is wrong with this prophet? He must not know that we are God's covenant people. Isaiah must not know who we are to compare us to Sodom and Gomorrah. And because Isaiah understood his assignment, amen, his warning continues. Isaiah tells them, God rejects everything you offer. He rejects your animal sacrifices. He rejects your incense, your special days, your new moons, your festivals, he says that he hates them all. Now, hate may seem like a kind of a strong word, but here's the message. I don't like it. It's not acceptable, and it doesn't impress me. And just a little sidebar, uh, once upon a time, uh, Reverend Richardson was dating. Once upon a time. And my granddaughter, <laughs> once upon a time, yeah, once upon a time, uh, Reverend Richardson was dating. And I had met someone, and, and he was around my granddaughter. She was around eight years old, and my granddaughter came to me, and she said to me, there is nothing about that that I like. <laughs> she said, I don't like it. It's unacceptable. 
He does not impress me. There's nothing about this that I like. And my friends and I have, we, when we don't like something, we have gone to come. That is our saying. There's nothing about this that I like. My granddaughter doesn't remember saying it, but she said it. Uh, he had a few nails in his coffin anyway. And she put the last two or three in there. She nailed that coffin shut with those few words, and I was done. And I was done. So, you know, even today, it is hard to be impressed with something that you hate or something that your granddaughter tells you there's nothing about it that they like. It's hard. You can't get back from that. You really can't. Uh, but even in the reality, it's all fake. And the formal accusation continues, and this time it's about their prayers. They were meaningless. They reached their hands up. They were in the right position, but it meant nothing to God. Their prayers were going nowhere. In fact, God is refusing to listen to their prayers. Can you imagine being in a place where your prayer to God is denied? The people of Judah thought they were, that they could live any way that they wanted as long as they made recompense with sacrificial offerings. Recompense is not a replacement for obedience and worship. They had begun to intermingle their rituals and their customary practices and their religion and their traditions. They had started mixing all of that up with pagan worship and then trying to serve it up to God. God was not having it. The people of Judah were focused on how worship made them feel and how it looked around other people. They have forgotten their purpose. They have forgotten why they were created, why they were chosen. All of that has slipped their mind. Their purpose could not be seen in their worship. Nobody was singing, my worship, my worship is for real. Nobody was singing that, not even off key. <laughs> no, nobody was singing. Nobody was singing that my worship is not is for is for real because it wasn't. It is as though they are in the right place doing the right thing for the wrong reason and it will not work. Church don't look down, but they are not the only ones. Isaiah has described the details of their disobedience, but what about us? Where do we stand? Where is our worship? Where is our obedience to God? And are we doing all that we should? And could do? I would submit to you that in our worship today, there are some things that we may do that might be considered ritualistic or traditional, or maybe in um, some cases just plain habitual is what we do. However, this is my contention. I believe that COVID, COVID has been the greatest equalizer an eliminator of the unnecessary and ritualistic church, ritualistic church of worship. I really believe that. Certainly, we miss some of those things, but I do not believe, I don't know, but I don't believe some of them are coming back. I believe that COVID has wiped them off of the order of service. For example, before COVID, now this is just me, this is not you, but before COVID, a couple of years ago, you couldn't tell me that I had been to church if I hadn't been to church for at least two hours. 
I didn't feel like I had been to church. If I got to church, if I got home and early, 15 minutes early, I felt like, oh, what am I going to do with this extra time? I don't know. It's, I've just gotten out of church too early. It, maybe it's just me. But now look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Look at how our pastor has streamlined our worship. We are worshiping God in 90 minutes or less. He's preaching just as long. Amen. And just as powerful as he did. But we are getting it all in 90 minutes. See how times have changed. I, I didn't believe it, but we are doing that. And I think it's because of COVID. Uh, another example that, of something that we're no longer doing because of COVID is remember when we used to high five your neighbor? Ain't nobody high fiving nobody no more. No pastor is asking you to touch your neighbor and tell him the name of your sermon because she's going to be preaching about whatever. We are in our own little three feet. Three feet. Three feet. We are in our three feet. Yeah, so thank you. All I got to say is thank you, COVID. <laughs> Anybody with me? I didn't want to do it anyway. I didn't want to high five nobody. I didn't want to tell nobody what somebody told me. I didn't want to do that. So uh, thank, thank you, COVID. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. It might be bad, but I don't know. Another example, just one more. The greeting of our visitors. Remember, we used to sing a song. We used to fellowship, and we used to go, and we used to shake the fake people, everybody's hand. That's gone. That tradition is gone. It might be back, but I don't know. But it may or may not be back, but that was some of the things that we used to do before COVID. And there are some others, but let me press my way. My main point is this. Ritual, tradition, without a godly purpose is just empty and meaningless. Unacceptable to God. Ritual tradition without a godly purpose is just empty and meaningless, unacceptable to God. <laughs> Thank God for COVID. What he meant for evil, God meant it for our good. You have helped us center our worship on true worship of God. The next movement in this text is this, and it's found in uh, verses 16 and 7, 17. Isaiah has warned Judah and Jerusalem that they have turned away from God and that they are standing on ceremonial fakeness and it's not pleasing to God. But, but God, God always makes a way for his covenant people and us to come back to him. He always gives us the option to return. Now, we may not take it for whatever reason, but God lays it out there for us. So in these two short verses, the prophet Isaiah gives them nine things, nine ways that they need to observe. And if they change, and if they want to change... And if they want to come back to him, this is what he, they need to do. And it reads like this. Come home and wash up. Clean up your act. Sweep your lives clean of evil doing so I don't have to look at them any longer. Say no to wrong. Learn to do good. Work for justice. Help the down and out. Stand up for homelessness. Go to bat for the defenseless. This is what God is saying to me and to you this morning. He's saying, get it together. 
if you're going to hang around and be a part of me. That's it, point blank. Care about something other than yourself. Learn my word. Stop making excuses. Here's exactly what you need to do. And I just imagine in my Holy Ghost imagination that God gave them nine things. He knew they weren't going to do all nine. So he knew that. So he said, well, okay, I'm going to give them nine. And if they just do three or four, if they just come in, if they just show themselves willing and working, if they'll just do three or four, I'm going to bless them. They're going to be blessed, and I'm going to be pleased with them. Now, the final movement here is 18 and 20. And I believe I'm supposed to say um, something like, um, I'm about to take my seat. <laughs> Lest I hold you too long. So, I'm about to take my seat. Lest I hold you too long. This final movement is a pathway to grace. Now, initially, they were divide, divide, diverted, as we've learned earlier, by sin. Then we, they were given a list of commands to fulfill so that now they are finding their way to grace. And this is a great invitation to grace. God says, come now. That's the invitation. Come. Now, don't delay. Don't wait till you get yourself together. Don't wait till you get it right. Come right now. Join me right now, right here, right now. Come on, join me right now. Then God says, um, you know, this God says something so interesting here in this passage. He says, God says, uh, let's argue it out. Who does that? Who does that that has the upper hand? God has the upper hand, but God says to us, little mere mortals, he says, come on, let's argue it out. I want to hear your side of this story. Let's, let me see. We're going to have some back and forth conversation. Have you ever been in an argument with someone? And have you ever had to persuade them to your way of thinking? Well, it helps when you know where they're coming from. So that's all that God was doing. He said, let me figure out what these folk are talking about. Let me see if I can understand them. And that way you can better persuade them and to answer your, and give them a good solution. <laughs> what an awesome God we serve. <laughs> we have a God that even in our disobedience, even as we dismiss the ways that he has given us for self-correction, he still wants to argue it out and reason with us. Now, I don't know. This is not even on my paper. But have you been, ever been in an argument with your husband, wife, spouse, anybody? Do you want to argue it out all day? No. Do they want to talk about it? No. Do you have to figure it out? Yes, at some point. <laughs> yes, at some point. So this is God. This is his relationship with us. He says, let's, come on, let's talk about it. And still, he wants to argue it out. Still. He wants to reason with us, even when we might be unreasonable. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And God says in verse 18, I like this. He says, your sin is red. In fact, it's scarlet. But I'm going to erase all your sin. 
You're going to be white as snow. You're going to be pure. You're going to be brand new. Your record is going to be wiped clean. Isaiah used the analogy of red for many reasons. First, it represents the blood of Jesus, the power, the redemptive blood of Jesus. Also, once you get red on something, I don't care. It's almost impossible to get it out. Nothing bleeds on the red, but red will bleed on to everything. You don't believe me? Put one of your kids' socks in the washing machine. When you take it out, everything in that washing machine is going to be pink. <laughs> everything. So everything and everything is affected by red, just like sin. Everything is affected by sin. Everything is affected by sin. Your sin uh, number says will find you out. If you sin over here, the results are going to show up over here. If something happens at night, something is going to be revealed in the day. Sin is at its best at being hidden, but that's only a temporary thing. But it is all revealed. Your sin is persistent. It will continue. It will it'll break you down. It'll follow you to work. It'll follow you to church. It'll follow you to Walmart. It'll, take, it'll go with you. It'll walk with you, talk with you. It'll get in your mind. It'll get into your disposition. You used to be happy, but now you're sad. You know why? Because of sin. You walk in crooked, you know why? Because of sin. You can't get it together, you know why? Because of sin. That's all it is all about. So just, just, uh, um, just doesn't stay, uh, your disposition doesn't just stay in one place like that red sock. It bleeds onto everything into your life. Sin is like that red sock in the washing machine. It changes everything and it gets on everything. But my God, I want to tell you something. There is something that is also red that can do more than that red sock of sin. Yeah. And that is the blood of Jesus. And the word says, what? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Will you want to compete against sin? That You know what, church? You need to talk about Jesus and the blood of Jesus. But as I take my seat, I'm really doing it this time. <laughs> sin is no match for this blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, 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 precious is that flow. What? That makes me white as snow. No other found I know. What? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus can make everything, all of your sins forgiven if you are willing. So finally, he says here, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You will receive favor. You will receive grace, that unmerited favor. And if you, God is still negotiating with us. God is still negotiating and talking with us and giving us choices because he doesn't want anybody that don't want to be with him. <laughs> he don't want nobody. You don't want to be with me. Guess what? I'm just like my granddaughter. I don't want to be with you. 
<laughs> I won't be with you. So that's the same thing that God is saying. God says, if you're willing and obedient, if you are willing, God wants to forgive you of your sin. If you are willing, God wants to refill you. God wants to reframe you. God wants to remind you of who you are in Christ. If you are willing, God wants to remold you. He wants to put you back on the potter's wheel. He wants to remake you. If I said, if you are willing, if you are willing, he wants to reroute you. He wants to send you in another direction from all the things that you have been doing. He wants to remove you from all your old friends, from all your old habits, from all your old ways. He wants to rewire you. He wants to change your thought pattern. He wants to redeem you to himself. Hallelujah. He wants to rewire you. He wants to reclaim you. He wants to do whatever he needs to do to bring you back to himself. And I believe that God is saying, Lord, and if you can just get with me with this, he says, I want to make you over. He says, I want to make you over. I love you. We're good. You've heard my cry. You've heard what I've told you, but I want to make you over. So as I take my seat, you've got a choice this morning. God's giving you a warning. God's giving you a promise and God's giving you grace. But now I want to know one thing. Is there anybody in here that can truly say that God Make me over. God, make me over. God, I don't want to be like I used to be. I don't want to go where I used to go. I don't want to do the things I used to do. God, make me over again. Because he's already made us over once or twice, or three or four or five times. So he says, God, make me. Make me over again. Are you tired of the way you've been? Just say, God, make me over. Let God reclaim you. Let God redo you. Let God refill you. Let God remake you. Let God make you over again. There may be someone that's feeling like you need to be made over today, today, and today is your day. Today is your day. If you feel like this is the moment, you've been waiting, you've been walking, you've been going all around town, and you've been thinking, Lord, I can't keep doing the stuff I do. I can't keep living the way that I'm living. I need something in my life. I need someone in my life that's going to be there for me. I need someone that's going to say, I'm going to make you over. Girl, I'm tired. I'm tired of the way you've been. But you know what? You don't have to go in that. You don't have to walk in that anymore. You can ask the Lord to make you over, to touch you one more time. His blood will do it. His blood will do it. The blood of the Lord. doors of the church are open. Is there anyone? Is there anyone looking for a makeover? If anyone can do it, we know it's our Lord, Jesus Christ. The doors of the church are open. If you're looking for another chance, not a second chance, 
the doors of the church are open. Is there anyone? If you're looking for a place to call home, you've been going from church to church. The doors of the church are open. Is there anyone? Oh, praise God. We can do better than that. Come on. The saints of heaven are dancing around. The doors of the church are open. Is there anyone else? If you've gone from ashy to classy and back to ashy, the doors of the church are open. If you've gone from ratchet to righteous and back to righteous and back to ratchet, back and forth, ping-ponging back and forth all day long, the doors of the church are open. Is there anyone? Come on, I know I'm not the only one. If your spirit can remotely resonate with Trinidad James, Rick James, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the doors of the church are open. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? God is a waymaker. We know we serve a mighty God that can do anything but fail. We serve the God that is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and end, and everything in between the doors of the church are open. If you get to the parking lot and you feel like it's too late, the doors of the church are still open. For our siblings worship with us online, just type in salvation. If you are remotely interested, the doors of the church for you are open. Come on, church, let's give this, this sister a round of applause. We want to celebrate you for the decision that you are making. Oh, there's someone else. Come on, church. Someone else here. The saints of God. The doors of the church are open. God is making a way out of nowhere. Thank you, sister, for joining us. And thank you both for the profound decision that you're making this morning. On behalf of our pastor, Dr. Robert Charles Scott, he would love to be your pastor. And our divine siblings here look forward to being your spiritual siblings. If you follow our, our deacon here, they will give you, they will pray with you and give you next steps in this journey and process. Amen. Amen. We can do better than that. Come on. God is working out something divine within this congregation right here. Amen. 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 no problem saying it. If I make it to the gates of heaven, I hope, in addition to Parliament Funkadelic, that I hear St. Paul Baptist Choir. I have no problem saying that. Deacons, please join me in the house. Please join me. Consecrate this communion, God. Let this communion be a reflection of what you have sacrificed for your children. In your divine name, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we experience a celebration 
that is the hallmark of our practice in our Christian faith, communion. We all come to this table by invitation of God, and this is not our table, but God's table. This ritual honors the reimagining of the fellowship event in the upper room. And that evening, Judas handed Jesus over to be portrayed on false charges and executed by the Roman government through crucifixion. It was in that upper room Jesus observed the Passover with his friends, a meal in which they partook every year in celebration of Hebrew emancipation from Egyptian slavery. From the meal, he took two elements to symbolize the approaching sacrifice, the bread and wine. We do not approach this table lightly. We approach this time with deep introspection, humility, and renewed courage. Deacons, please join me in the aisle. Let us distribute the elements. Is there anyone that has not been served that desires to be served? Again, is there anyone that has not been served that desires? For I've received from the Lord what was also handed to me, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and we had given thanks. He said, take this, break this, eat this in remembrance of me. Me eat the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink. For as often as we eat this bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ shall come again. Let us pray. God of love, we approach this time in a posture of remembrance, recommitment, and humility. This table, your table of grace and sacrifice, is a reminder that we can outlive our sin. Forgive us our transgressions against you, against humanity, and against ourselves. Consecrate this sacrifice, the bread and the wine, to serve as indicators of the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth, who lives and reigns with you, one God, forevermore. Amen. If you're able, please stand and join us for our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
May the grace of God, the love, peace, wisdom, and righteousness of God be with each of you always. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. amen.